This is Bob Hall, comic artist, and you are listening to Heroes Home Base Podcast. Hey guys, this is Mark. This is Rob. Hey, this is Rich. Welcome to episode 55. 55. We've five, got five. a very special guest on tonight who I oh. have been like a hoe out on these streets following him <laughs> from coast to coast. <laughs> we have artist extraordinaire, Mr. Bob Hall, who is the co-creator of the West Coast Avengers. He did their he did a mini-series, their very first um miniseries or first issues issues one through four back in 1984 that's how i came to know him and he was just a joy to talk to uh, both times i have two of his signed uh poster some of his work here hanging in my office and he was just you guys are in for a great treat because he is just such a, a fantastic storyteller and i yeah. just we just loved talking to him it was very I learned, entertaining uh, i learned quite a bit learned quite a bit listening to him yeah so it's one of a kind stories that we haven't had from any guest on this show yeah and i told him and i mean this is that i hold him and i should have asked him this but i hold him in the great tradition of the dave ross and the john burns and the george perez but it's so interesting the way back then at marvel how they talked about george perez and John Byrne, because everybody wanted them for their book, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's yep. almost like, it's almost kind of like, I felt like when he said that, it was almost kind of like the music industry in the 90s. For yeah. fe- for females, because at the time in the early nineties, because I obviously anybody who knows me knows I'm the most biggest Whitney Houston fan. I don't so think the- ever dropped that on this podcast. I don't think so ever either. So I'm the biggest. My Whitney love Houston is your love. Fan. My love is your love. And so, <laughs> at the time in the early nineties, it was difficult for female artists. Even though if you were a great vocalist, it was hard to be known because it was all about Whitney and Mariah. Yep. In the early 90s. So in the comic book world at that time, 70s, 80s, it was all about John Byrne and George Perez. So it was hard for an artist to kind of be, no. And then in the 90s, it was all about Jim Lee, you know? So everybody has their moment. So that when he said that, that's kind of like, and then older artists can sometimes have a resurgence like George Perez did in the late nineties. You know what I mean? So it's sometimes it's just, it it never kind of goes away. So it's kind of like that same thing. So I thought that was cool, man. It's been episode 55 is the first episode that you dropped that you're the biggest Whitney Houston fan. Yeah. That's that's a huge oversight. Uh, (laughs) um, Before we get into the interview, which you guys, like Mark said, are in for a big treat, you guys want to catch up a little bit. Mark, what's been going on, buddy? Not a whole lot, only because I've been saving so much because I've just read off tonight that I have eight cons that I want to go to this year. Boom. That is a lot. That's a lot. So in two (laughs) weeks is the winter con that I've talked about and I've been to on the show. So That's not not what it's called. That's not what it's called on this show. we, We call it the afterbirth of New York con. But, <laughs> but we now have, I know which con you're talking about. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's in two weeks, and then I'm just saving for my cons, and I'm not buying any more comic books. But last weekend, and I and I typically this is going in the miscellaneous section because I don't have any Spider-Man comic books. But I was yeah yeah Go I ahead, don't. Sorry. 
but I have been on a bit of, I talk about this with a coworker of mine. I am on a bit of a Spider-Man kick because it, this is during the John Romita Jr. days and you just can't go wrong. That combination, Spider-Man and John Romita, that just combination, that's just prime real estate at that time. And so Denny O'Neill and John Romita Jr., prime real estate Ooh, for Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Look at that. I just got goosebumps showing it to you and I'm holding and I own it. This is the very first appearance of Hydro Man. Okay. Is that your very first Spider-Man comic? Yes, it is. I can't well, believe that. <laughs> I don't I don't collect comics. You know, I'm a teen person. So this is my very first appearance. So the next one I want to get is Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 194, and that's the first appearance of the Black Cat. Good luck with that, man. Yeah. And then there's so... another issue of one is issue 210, <laughs> the first appearance of Madam Web, and that's running for like $200. I'm not paying $200. I'll pay $80, right. but I'm not paying $200. Okay, so there's a little bit of backstory for because mark went and bought this comic so it wouldn't be a hero's home base podcast episode if rich didn't drop swamp thing somewhere so <laughs> i called mark the other day because I, I needed to ask his advice <laughs> and i had just <laughs> you know i've said it the last few episodes i've been on like buying one or two issues here and there but i came across a lot of the first 15 issues of Swamp Thing. So the original from 72, this issue number one is not the first appearance of Swamp Thing. I think that's like, it was like the House of Secrets 92, I think, something like that. I got my hands on issues one through 15 and the seller offered and, and threw in issue 18 as a gift, I guess. I don't know if you'd had it up there for a while or not, but I was show, I was, calling mark talking to him like dude should i should i get this you know it's kind of low you know and the guy had a pretty good description and issue one was pretty beat up like i, I knew it going in there's a corner missing from it and i just remember our conversation with ming what two years ago at this point where he's like i'm just getting beat up key issues just so i can read the book and it doesn't have to be a 9.8 man i'm telling you i got these books in the mail and issue one is probably like a two. <laughs> like the cover is falling off this bitch. Okay? So it was a public library rental. Oh man, it is beat to shit. And but at the same time, like I told Mark, I was like, should I do this? Because I really just want to read this book. And I'm glad that I did. And I've really been, I'm, I'm, I think I'm up to issue five now. I'm really taking my time. And these books came, I want to say, a week ago, like last Monday or so. So it, it is, it, it's really cool, dude. So I think I'm going to get the gap between, um, what, 16, 17. He gave me 18. I'll get 19. And then I'm right where I was when I started picking up Alan Moore's run. So Rich's rant about Swamp Thing for episode 5-5 is over, but I, it, it is it is super cool. I know that it's a low grade, that, but I can say that I have issue one and it was cool as hell to read it. So like I told Mark this and then Mark is like, you know, you should just do it. Go ahead and get it. You're not going to be disappointed. Calls me the next day. He's like, I just want you to know that it's your fault. I'm off today and I just told you I was saving money for all my cons and now I'm driving or I'm taking a bus to Zap and I'm buying this Spider-Man issue. So I got on the bus, took the bus 45 minutes to Wayne, New Jersey, and I had <laughs> called Zap Comics and saw that they had it on their back wall and asked them to hold it for me. 
I went in and they held it for me. It was in their box of holds and they held it for me. And I bought issue 212 for $45, but I have a little stamp card. So I only got it. I got it. Total was 47, but I got it for 42. Score. All right. Sorry, Rob, what's going on with you, buddy? Well, um, not as as exciting as what you guys have got going on. I was excited to see that a new comic shop was opening up like down the street from my house. Rich Score. has been able to uh, check it out before I was able to. What's it called? Um, is it Dragon's Lair? Dragon's Lair. It's a, it was Slayer at first, but it's a franchise based out of what? It, it's based Texas, out of, I think. Texas. Okay. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. We just uh. Funny fact. Today we had uh, Rob's son's birthday party, and he's uh real into Pokemon cards and Pokemon, Pokemon. And uh, I find it hilarious because d- didn't that shit come out when we were in high school? <laughs> Well, like 30 he, years ago yeah it was like two weeks ago he was he had a hat on and flared his hair out of the front like hey i look like a pokemon trainer and becky's like you look like a kid from the 90s no you don't i look like a pokemon <laughs> trainer i don't think he realized that that came out in the 90s you look like a 90s right. kid so yeah it was a little funny so we're getting ready to go to his birthday party and show quitter had gotten all this stuff and he really wanted some cards while well, we went to a couple stores can't find all, them, man. all sold out. And then I'm like, you know what? This dragon's lair comic store grand opening is today or was yesterday. And it's right down the road from Rob's house. So let's just stop over there. I guarantee you they'll probably have it. So went in there and it's really kind of like a, it kind of has a Barnes and Noble like pop culture uh, department, kind of like how Barnes and Noble does. Like they have little bookshelves and spinny, not spinny racks, but like circular bookshelves and stuff. They do have a, a new release wall. Um, but as of right now, I think because they're so new, they don't have any back issues. So they're promoting board games and card games. So it's, it's almost like that comic town uh, vibe. Feel vibe yeah they had uh some cosplayers there dressed as the ghostbusters somebody converted a kia soul into the echo one it was pretty funny (laughs) the soul version but no it was it was a cute little store uh i mean i wouldn't even say little it was probably that's a double double store i think yeah double double area but it wasn't bad it was they had some like you know the typical all-in-one pop culture type of store really and like half of it was comics and but it was like i said they just had new releases so mark's definitely not going in there and then uh you know so maybe in the future they'll have uh you know an ample supply of back issues i don't know um but yeah so Um, what i'm hearing is it's more of like a uh it's kind of like an upscale comic town yeah I, i i put it in that realm but they did have cases and cases of of uh cards so i was able to secure a couple packs for rob's son for his birthday so so um yeah my jensen's eight i'm kind of struggling with that eight going on 30 kind of hard to believe yeah he's kind of in this really unique phase right now where he's kind of in he's like dabbling into a little bit of everything like Pokemon's been like a recent development. He still loves his Legos. He's really into Halo. Yes, he's eight and he loves Halo. Um, What's wrong with that? It was funny. We got him a, a Master Chief costume and he had a Pokemon trainer belt on top of his Master Chief <laughs> costume. Like it was like the, the meshing together of uh, his current hobbies. So that was fun. Um, But 
honestly, I, I was sick a couple days this past week, just some sinus stuff, and it kind of took me out for a couple days. So I did actually watch uh, The Dark Knight Rises for like the first time in like, I don't years. know, five, six years. I love that one. Um, It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite, but how do you top Heath Ledger? Yeah. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I actually thought it, um, I think it was pretty relevant to. You say the Dark Knight or the Dark Knight Rises? Rises. Okay. The third one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It just kind of had a lot of, uh, I don't know. It was relatable with COVID and, you yeah. know, kind of being cut off from the, the rest of civilization and, and stuff like that. So that was kind of, that was kind of cool. And then, uh, Rich and I have a birthday coming up next week, and uh, we've already arranged to uh, see the Batman. I've intentionally kind of stayed away from prying too deep into that because I kind of want to just go at it without any expectations more than what we've talked about. So that's kind of kind of my current thing. I did want to just say um, I don't think I mentioned it. Dr. Doug invited me to another one of his uh, resident um, forensic psychiatry meeting. Did I talk about that? You mentioned it, uh, I think, a couple episodes ago. Well, he wants to do the uh, Joker Harley uh, criminal sanity, so I have to loan him that, um, so we can potentially do that in a with meeting with his residents. So he did finally catch up and finally read uh, uh, "You Are Obsolete" and was like asking me some really good questions, like, "So is there going to be a sequel to that?" Because I'd really like some more. And I was like, "Well, I don't." It's know. funny that you bring that up because. Uh, uh, Mr. Clickstein was texting me the other day because he usually texts me if he's got like uh, signings coming, coming up, up or um, <clears throat> yeah, he's got a, I want to say this week it says uh, March 8th, 730 at Heritage Coffee. Meet comic creator Matthew Clickstein at Heritage Coffee on Tuesday, March 8th. Come join your local writer, producer, Matthew Clickstein, creator of Aftershocks, highly acclaimed You Are Obsolete, currently in active development as a new television series. And Fanagraphics forthcoming oral history of uh, comic-con fandom based on uh, sirius xm stitchers comic-con begins and i was like uh so you were obsolete it's gonna be a show he's like yeah they've been talking about that for a while uh, i don't know <laughs> like, like uh we're talking streaming service or broadcast i was like can i drop that on the podcast <laughs> he's like uh well has been for a few years now so who knows <laughs> so uh, I don't know if there's going to be a sequel, but that'd be pretty freaking dope if he uh, if he got a TV show off of that. But yeah, no, Mr. Clickstein still uh, still hits me up every now and then when he's got events going on. See if I can uh, see if I can come or uh, blast it out on the yeah the pod or not. But uh, yeah. so I do I do want to say um, I think we've arranged for Doctor Doug to meet with us next weekend to do a. Uh, the Batman review. So Dr. Doug's movie review corner. He has, uh, he's doing like a, a pretty extensive exodus thing right now. Like he's trying to almost like a Lent deal. Like he's trying to just separate himself from technology and movies and social well, media and, an exception for us. And I, I think he's uh, strongly considering an exception for the Batman. And he did text me. He was like, what headphones do you guys use? I need to get some headphones. So <laughs> send us some info. So, Hopefully that'll be a preview for uh, our next episode. So I'm looking forward to the Batman. Um, yeah, I'm kind of excited. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, another thing before we get into the interview, I took uh, our last guest, Jeff Patrick's advice, and I did purchase the uh, Tencent Plague book that he recommended. I did, I did as well. 
and uh, I'm up to about I think chapter eight, and it, it's it's pretty damn good. Uh, I am enjoying it. I do like that history aspect of it, man. There was some lot of f-ed up shit that went down back in the day, so I uh, I highly recommend that since you know he he recommended it on the show last time, and uh, it's a good read. So I, I I got it on Amazon and got it like two days two days later. So Mark, you should all, definitely check it out. Yeah, I did also purchase that. I'm I haven't. I think it's just from being sick. I haven't been able to get past chapter two, but uh, so far so good. Yeah. All right. So without further ado, you our guys are in for a treat. Like we've said fifty times already. Uh, without further ado, Mr. Bob Hall. Well, first, hi Bob. Glad uh, glad you were able to do this with us finally. Um, I know Mark has been. This is great. Looking forward to this for some time. <laughs> it's nice to meet you outside of a con. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, I don't know if you remember me or not. I um, met you at, well, I bought two pieces of work from you at New York City Comic Con. Right. You, you signed it because uh, I'm a huge West Coast Avengers fan. So I bought two pieces of work from you in New York. And then I saw you at the Seattle Emerald City Comic Con. Right. So um, I remember. Now that yeah. I see you, I remember. Oh yeah, it's so he's kind of hard to forget. <laughs> <laughs> because in Seattle, I was I saw that you were going to be there, but I was looking for you, and they didn't have you in alphabetical order. I remember you and I talking about that. Yeah. So yeah, so we're really excited. As you can see, we are all comic book. This is our uh, podcast called Heroes Home Base. It's all about comic book culture and different artists and writers and how I came to know you because I am the biggest West Coast Avengers fan. And I remember the limited series that you did, and that artwork was just so awesome. So oh, awesome. Yeah, it was just great. And it really set the tone for the series. And then, you know, it went on to the, a main title for 102 issues. For 10 years, it went on. So that's how I came to know you. And I also know that you did some work on Marvel Team Up also. I believe you did some covers for that, right? Oh, I did a bunch of different stuff for Team Up. I was always doing some Team Up here and there. My my best known one was uh, uh, Spider-Man meets Saturday Night Live with the original uh, <laughs> SNL uh, people. That's right. Belushi, yes. all those guys. Yeah, ben that's Aykroyd. right. They did an episode for that, didn't they? I don't know. I, I if I if I did if they did, they didn't tell me. And I was watching most of them at that time. But we did get to meet Belushi. We uh, well, we met him, met him all briefly. But Belushi invited us to the uh, uh, opening party for uh, Animal House. Oh we got, wow! And we, and we got to go, and we gave him the cover. And uh, he invited. I think as a almost required thing, he asked if we wanted to go out and smoke a joint. We all looked at each other. And, Jim Shooter said, no, I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Well, that's such an awesome. I mean, I, I know our listeners would look would, that's such a awesome tidbit. And I know our, our, our listeners would appreciate hearing that. So I appreciate you sharing that story with us. That's awesome. So we are I'm located. I'm, I'm talking to you now from Brooklyn, New York. I live in New York and Rich is in Columbus, Ohio. Where okay. are you from? You said you're your central time. Man. Yeah, I'm living in my, um, I went back to my hometown. I'm living in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, wow. I lived in New York for 25 years. And uh, you don't miss it, do you? <laughs> actually, I miss it terribly. I, nice. I go back every year. When I was working for Valiant in okay. the 90s, and we were all making very good money, like everybody else, in the, in the, we were making good money in the 90s. Plus, fax and FedEx had allowed you to live anywhere. So I ended up living in uh, England. And uh, nice. Ireland for, for a couple of years. While I was there for 
the story is not worth the details, but I found out uh, by my partner going back to the States that uh, I was adopted and never oh, wow. knew that. And uh, decided she was from my hometown as well. And uh, she really wanted to go back and her folks were getting old. And, and uh, I, I said, no, I don't want to go back there. I ain't gone back there. And then I, I found this out and said, okay, the fates are having that I should go back for a while. And uh try to find out something about this. And um, so I was back in the end of the 90s, and it was just the time that the comic book industry totally collapsed. Yeah. And uh, so I found myself uh, there, and the cost of living in Lincoln, Nebraska, all of a sudden looked really good. And <laughs> I uh, so I thought, oh, I'll stay for a few years. And one thing led to another, and I ended up, I couldn't get any work for a while, and I ended up starting a Shakespeare festival here. Nice. And did that for 15 years and and comics as well. And uh, uh, then met my uh, my wife and here I am. The rest is history. Wow. Nice. Um, well, well, do you want to give us some of your background on how you got into being, I like to call it a cartoonist or a comic book artist? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was uh, I always could. I always could draw and, uh, you know, managed to get I, I started drawing. Like when I was, you know, five, four or five years old, I stopped for a while because I was in, uh, I think it was first grade. Uh, my teacher said, uh, draw what you see on the way home. Beautiful, bright, sunny day with one of those white suns, blue right. sky. I came home and I, I drew that, brought it in the next day. And she said, this is wrong. And I said, yeah, what? And she said, sons are yellow. Mm. And at that point, I realized, oh, somewhere she has a book that's told her sons are yellow. And if you don't have that book, there's no point in drawing um, mm. until you get the book. So for about two years, I didn't draw at all. Wow. Then I started drawing again. I was very taken with um, horror movies in the late 50s okay. and uh, started doing and with those covers that uh, Basil Gagos did for Famous Monsters of Filmland. Nice. And... Uh, I started drawing that, doing that kind of drawing. But at the same time, I got interested in theater. I was a theater major in college. I put myself through school doing posters for the theater department, did a lot wow. of directing, scene redesign, and wanted to go to New York and try to break into theater. And uh, But that time, I, I probably hadn't read a comic book in years. I remember my last surge with comic books was uh, when uh, DC revived The Flash. Okay. And I, at one time I had the flash number one, you know, I, I, I loved it, but that was about it. And I, uh, hadn't, anyway, hadn't read anything. And, um, uh, a friend of mine said, well, why don't you look at comic books? You know, cause I was thinking, how am I going to make a living in New York? Cause yeah. you know, everybody I knew in theater would struggle for, for a long time and they'd get a day job. And then, you know, they ended up never actually being able to do it cause they were stuck. Yeah. And I thought I need, I need a, flexible job and, and he said try drawing comics and i remembered comics when i was a kid there were some brilliant comics but there were also some really badly drawn ones and i thought well i can be bad and uh <laughs> I, I, I'm everybody that good wants to it. do that <laughs> so he started giving me comics well it was 1970 and you know so he was giving me barry smith's conan's uh john buscema's had taken over from jack kirby doing thor uh, Neil Adams was doing everything. Right. <laughs> uh, Bernie Wrightson was in his heyday. Uh, Joe Kubert was was doing Tarzan. Warren Publications was was still around. 
And I looked at this stuff and said, I no, I'm not good enough to do this, but I won't really want to because it, it put together everything I'd ever done, uh, storytelling, uh, drawing, and the whole business. So I uh, started trying to teach myself to draw comics. And I, I can uh, imagine if you're involved in theater and trying to create scenery and stuff, it, it translated quite well for you on a comic book page, huh? It's been very helpful in terms of, of the way clothes hang, uh, costume design, right. Right. Oh, nice, nice. All that stuff. The biggest thing, though, was that I was really into directing and the uh, storytelling aspects of directing are very much like um, yeah. the the aspects of comics. Right. So especially and you don't think of theater as visual moment by moment storytelling, but it is yep. um, perhaps not as much as film. But uh, it, it, it was a blessing. And uh, so I kept sending out portfolios and getting rejections and going to the very early comic cons and uh, being getting some encouragement. I met Bob Layton, Roger Stern. They were doing a fanzine. I got into that. Wow. Finally got some jobs from Charlton. And then John Biasema was teaching a course in how to draw comics. And nice. it became how to draw comics the Marvel way, the book eventually. Uh, and uh, he did it for two years. But the first year they there was an ad in the back of Marvel saying, Want to be a comic artist? Uh, it wasn't even a very big ad. John Buscema <laughs> is teaching, blah, blah, blah. And so I, uh, you had to live in New York and you had to go down and show a portfolio to John Buscema, which was pretty intimidating. Oh, I'm sure. Wow. But I got in the class and I was lucky. I was a little older and I had had experience in art. And it was the dawn of fans trying to get into the business. Okay. And so almost everybody else in the class was a big fan of John's. I was too, but I, I it ended up that I was the most experienced person in the class. Uh, it's not that I was the best person, but you know I was the person that maybe was most ready right. to get a job. At least John thought so, because at the end of the class he got me a job at Marvel, and that's how I, that's how that's I broke awesome. in. Wow. That is an awesome story. Yeah, it is. So that was very cool. And and then you then you find out the minute you start getting a job, it may not be true of everybody, but the, one of the first things you find out is that you're not ready to do it. <laughs> Nobody's ready yep. to do it. Yep. Because it's, uh, <laughs> I think probably even people that have had the extensive training that people now get before they get into comics, the realization that you have to draw everything and that you're working with a writer and they're uh, scripting you to do stuff that you never thought you'd be drawing, right? And uh, so, and and so you you miss every deadline for a while. And uh, it's, wow. it's, my first one was uh, I did the Champions, yes, which was one of one of the weirdest groups going. Yes, and, you're right. Yeah, and and made really weird because Ghost Rider was it was originally intended to be a buddy f comic, sort of like that old uh, TV show uh, Route sixty six. Okay, wow. and uh, just the Iceman and Angel cross, driving cross country, and then they started adding it to make it a, a bigger group. And uh, I think Tony Isabella it was Tony Isabella's idea, and, and then it just yes, it grew sideways. And <laughs> finally, they added Ghost Rider because he was the the most popular character at the time. And Ghost Rider doesn't belong in a group, you know, for <laughs> no. one thing. <laughs> and but you had to use him as much as possible because they were hoping he was hoping, supposedly going to sell the book. And there would be stuff like and any time he was ghostwriter, he had to be on his motorcycle. And there would be stuff like the first thing I had to draw was there was a fire in an office 
And by the way, the office was as hard to draw as Ghost Rider's <laughs> motorcycle because do you ever think about drawing an office when you're trying to prepare a portfolio? Nah. No. And this is pre this is pre-internet, just finding reference on an office. Right. My wow. wife at that time was doing uh, temp work, so she had to sneak me into the office, and, and I was sitting there sketching. And uh, but but so the office is on fire, and Ghost Rider is in the in the middle of all of this on his motorcycle. So anyway, anyway, you ever, you had you ever idea. drawn a motorcycle at that point? No, I'm not a motorcycle person. I had no idea how to draw a motorcycle, so I went out and bought model motorcycles and stuff like. Wow. And now I, now I know what people meant and what John meant by you have to f learn to fake everything, right. meaning, meaning that you know that old business a motorcycle is, is two circles, uh, so a, a kind of triangular shaped motor, a rectangle across the back, and a bunch of tubing, and once you've learned to think that way, you can lay out anything, and then you add the detail, but. When you're first drawing, you you always want to start drawing the detail first, and yeah. that'll really screw you up. Uh, should be avoided at all costs. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story because I mean, not a lot of people know that about the champions, and it's so funny. So the champions consisted of because I'm mostly for this podcast, I'm mostly the Marvel guy. Mm -hmm. Rich and Rob are primarily the DC collectors. So Rich, the champions, it was such an odd group. It was Black Widow, Hercules, Iceman, Angel um ghost rider and then later on they added a russian superhero superheroine named dark star black goliath and, okay. and that you're, was it. you're forgetting the weirdest part of it the weirdest one in in combination with ghost rider and nobody ever made enough of it was hercules yeah uh was in the damn thing and uh not only was hercules in it but when in the first issues that i did i had to draw governor jerry brown into it as <laughs> oh, well boy. so and which they were based in Los Angeles. And at that yeah. time, they were the okay. only group on the West Coast. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And they, I think they called themselves uh, the team for the common man. But it's so funny because years later, Hawkeye, in an issue of the Thunderbolts, he even referenced the champion saying, he's like, I don't know how they were different from any of the rest of our teams, but, you know, they call themselves a team for the common man. But it was it was an odd team. They didn't it didn't go on for very long. But I have a few issues. I have I have a soft spot in my heart for it, of course. Yeah, I'm so sure. do I. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to every ask once in a while, somebody will try to have me do a champions commission or something. And it's like fun to actually redraw them a bit. There. Yeah, I'm that's sure. awesome. Uh, but, but why the hell they had, you know. They must have had somebody that lived in Los, had lived in Los Angeles that could have done the Champions and West Coast Avengers, <laughs> and I had I just put in a lot of palm trees, you know. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, we were. What we like to know of our guests is that when did I think you kind of answered this already, but when did you first fall in love with comics? See, I'm I'm an old guy. So first, I first fell in love with comics um, through Donald Duck and Uncle Scrooge, nice. which I think are two of the greatest comics ever written and drawn by Carl Barks. Yeah. And I, when I was four years old, I was very ill. I didn't really know. Apparently I was very, very ill. I didn't realize how ill I was, but for the, for one night I was apparently throwing up blood. Uh oh. And my folks rushed me to the hospital. They didn't know what was wrong with me. And they put me in a private room, which turned out to be a good choice until um, they could figure it out. And the next day I felt fine, hmm. but they said, no, you're not fine. So I'm, you know, jumping around in the bed and stuff. And as a pacifier, they kept giving me comic books. Oh. Now, I couldn't quite read yet, but 
I did end up, because I was there for at least, it was probably only three or four days. To me, it felt like a week or more, but I think it was probably three or four days. And so I ended up with a, with a, this huge stack of comics that I'd looked through, and they were about to take me down and do, they, I think they were t- considering even doing an exploratory on me. Wow. And the nurse noticed me scratching behind my ear, and it turned out, she, she looked behind my ear and said, oh, my God, you've got measles. And oh. it turns out I had a, a rare case of something that's called intestinal measles. They, they're inside. They don't come out and show. Oh, so wow. I had measles. And they said, oh, wow. Well, you're going to be okay then. You can go home. And by the way, anything you've touched, you have to take with you. So they gave me this giant bag of comics. And that was yeah. how I started getting, that was how I started in uh, loving comics. Oh, wow. That's a story. We haven't heard it like that before. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast for like two and a half years. Wow. I got a million of them. <laughs> so. Told you I'm well, a storyteller. No, well, we appreciate That's it. Awesome. We appreciate it. You know, I'm actually going to kind of jump ahead because I'm a huge Avengers fan. And so something that struck me, and at the time I was reading it, I didn't realize it. it was you until I started doing research on you, until I saw that you're working. I thought this struck me because I think this is probably the first real time that we actually saw it in comics. But you did Avengers, uh, the court of Yellow Jacket. Mm-hmm. The court martial of Yellow Jacket. So I believe it's two twelve to two fourteen. Or 2- I don't remember. I don't remember the numbers. I never remember <laughs> the numbers. Uh, right. It's whatever well, you say it is. Yeah. It's, <laughs> right. uh, it's, it's two twelve to two fourteen, and th- and in those issues, Yellow Jacket Hank Pym struck his wife, the Wasp Janet Van Dyne, and that was the first for me anyway. That was the first real um, exploration or first uh, sign of domestic violence in a comic book. Did you? It may, what was it that like? What it was that like? Did you I, hear at the time that you did it? Did you get feedback from it or from fans or Marvel? What was that like surrounding that? No, time doing that? I, I, for me, that all came later. Oh, I okay. think Jim got a lot of shit for it. Oh, I'm sure. And um, I think he's very sensitive about it because he, um, if you read the story, this is, of course, total nonsense. But uh, some trollish fans mm-hmm. were saying, well, obviously, he's he's promoting wife beating, uh, oh probably because it was the first time. You know, I think they were shocked. Yeah. Was like, uh, various movie milestones. You know, the first the first nudity right. was probably shocking. Uh, Jim and and I think I drew it very badly. Uh, it was never not my I, I don't think I was really ready. They kept giving me group books. And mm-hmm. I gave me, I know why they gave me group books. It's because I trained with John Buscema, who was the expert at group books. Ah, and I don't think I hit it with group books really until West Coast. Okay. I felt I was in control of it. I was doing good anatomy. I was, my draftsmanship was, was okay. And, and that kind of stuff. I, I always felt that, that I just, I loved the Avengers and I just felt I wasn't ready to do it yet. It took me, it took me a long time. I've always felt I was behind and I really was dying just to do, give me a single character book right. just for a while, please. And um, Jim, I think, liked to work with me, but I know he, he has said that that he has said that he did he didn't intend to have her slapped. There, so there's two levels. He also said that I really gave her a, a roundhouse uh, <laughs> slap, and which was true. And I kind of kept mulling that over and how what it, 
And I thought I could just have him slap her lightly, but geez, this is a game changer. And they're superheroes. Right. So yeah. my thought was, well, it's got to be big. And of course, I'd gotten the whole spiel from Stan Lee that you got automatically when you went into Marvel, where he would stand on the desk. And he, it was sort of required at that point that new people, he would get on his desk and start telling you how much more dynamic Marvel was than DC. DC would be like this. Marvel, it's like this, you know. Kind of thing. Wow! And, and that and that happened. He almost had to do it, and then he stopped after a while. But he, I, I was on the you know on the tail end of that, and I and I what what should I do? So I just had him whack her, and Jim said, "Oh, he just intended it to be much lighter, or or that she or that he got actually got accidentally shoved." And part of that is I think he's defensive about the. I like Jim a lot, but I think he's defensive about the feedback he got. Um, my sense was, no, he was a better writer than that. If if mm -hmm. if he if he if she didn't get slapped, I think the whole thing falls apart. And then he's been kind of un, if it's an accident, he's being unjustly accused. And I thought, no, it had to be followed through. Uh, and uh, and she shows up the next day with a with with a black eye that was necessary in the plot, right. and and she must have gotten that somehow. And it, being Jan, I think if it had been an accident, she would have said, no, 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 it was an accident, you know. So right. it all unravels if, if she didn't get whacked. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's a story. It's, it's, uh, I am pleased to have done it. It's the most iconic thing I ever did in comics. And it was just kind of accidental. Oh, wow. I, you know, I, I, it was a script and I had the script and I did it. So, yeah, I thought, I mean, for me, and I've said this in earlier podcasts that I, that uh, one of the top, moments in comics was seeing that for me. And, you know, here she is, you know, the Wasp, and she later becomes, you know, one of the strongest leaders of the Avengers. And to see her vulnerable in that moment, I've never seen that kind of thing happen, a domestic violence in comics. And so that was one of, that was an iconic moment, you know, in comics that you were a part of. I, 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 I and, and I, I'm pleased that I, I, I it made Jim, I have had in mind too, but, but when they were looking for who will be the next person to run the Avengers, I, I was drawing it when she became the uh, the leader, and I that was my suggestion because uh, I thought we owe her that. <laughs> yeah, so. you know, and she, for and she was she was it was her. It was, there have only been three female female leaders of the Avengers, and she was she was such a strong leader for such a long time, and I mm -hmm. thought that was so cool that yeah, like you said, you owed it to her. So that was so cool. I like I said earlier, I came to know you because of West Coast Avengers. How did you get a part of that book? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm the co-creator of it. Yes, but but that's sort of on paper, you know. I I sort of feel now the creator no the creator of the West Coast Avengers was Roger Stern. Okay, uh, I drew it, and I suppose you know now the first person to do these things gets co-creator credit, and I'm pleased with that. That's fine. I can be I love being co-creator of something. Right. But 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 basically, you know, the way it worked at that point was Roger. I think probably came up with the idea or it was Roger and an editor. I think he and uh, Mark got together on a lot of this stuff and uh, pitched it and Shooter must have said it was a good idea. And I ended up drawing it and I would like to think I was the first choice, but I doubt it. <laughs> um, you know, there, you know, it was, it was that era when you, you knew that everybody had tried to get uh, George Perez or John Byrne first. Right. Wow. That that and and so you were trying to, you were hoping for a chance to do something that was good 
And I was just pleased that I got handed the job. Uh, and, and I think I did a damn good job with it. I, it was my, as I said, I had really, after the Avengers, well, that, <laughs> this, this, this is recent. Yeah, this is more recent. This is, this is more how I would draw it now. But the, uh, uh, after the Avengers, I felt I nearly needed to do life drawing. And, for, and I went back at, to a studio in New York that, where you could draw the model. And I went twice a week for probably about 10 years and nice. wanted to be able to do human anatomy that wasn't dependent on the way other comic artists had done it. You know, okay. I wanted to be able to, to make my own decisions about that and was beginning to feel, you're there, I mean, yes, it was cartooning and it always related to the Marvel style and what a, a superhero should look like, but you really needed to be able to draw a normal person before you could draw, you yeah. know, uh, these guys. And uh, so I just think I got better. About the time of the West Coast Avengers, I was beginning to be, get much more satisfied with what I was doing. So Why didn't you transition to the main title? Uh, because uh, I, as I recall, well, they didn't ask me for one thing, but <laughs> I think that's because uh, I was doing Squadron Supreme. Oh, okay. So I'd signed on for that. And remember that they, that book did not come, it did not fall. They needed to get the numbers and stuff on the miniseries. And then they decided, you know, it took them a while to decide, okay, we're going to do it. And by that time I was on doing something else. And I, I believe it was Squadron Supreme. Okay. What are some of your all-time favorite comic characters and stories? So whether you've well, been involved in the work or not. You poor, you poor DC and Marvel people. My, my <laughs> favorites are all in, are in Valiant. Really? Hit it, hit it, hit it. Let's hear it. Uh, well, I, I was... Um, I was stopped getting work from Marvel. Okay. Uh, and I know why. It was Jim had gone. Uh, I was asked to do Nick Fury. And I said, I can do it, but I've got, uh, I've got other projects I'm doing. And I can only do it, the series. They were launching a new series. And I can only do it if there's, there's got to be a script waiting for me when I turn in the last page of drawing. And I did the first issue, and there was no script. Oh, no. And I waited. I said, okay, end of the week. And I said, yeah, yeah, end of the week, there's no script. Mm. And into the second week, there was no script. And I said, okay, that's it. I will never be able to get it done for you. I just, I, I would not be, I, I, I've got, I told you I had other commitments and stuff. And I don't think the editor ever told the writer. Maybe, I, but the writer was Bob Harris, who, was okay. just, who then became the editor. Yes. And I think he was pissed <laughs> off at me. Oh, no. And anyway, for a while, I wasn't getting any work from Marvel. So I, Jim had gone over to DC. I mean, I mean, to Valiant. I had started Valiant, uh, Shooter. And so I called Shooter up and said, do you have any work? And he said, yeah, but we don't need artists as much as we need writers. He said, you've written a couple of plays. Uh, he'd seen a couple of plays that I'd done. I did an adaptation of Dracula with another guy, and it ran for a couple of years off Broadway. Nice. And so it was a hit. And on a, a side issue, one of my favorite things about that ever happened at Marvel was uh, Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan came to see it. And they then wow. decided to have to, to work it into the tomb of Dracula. So they, nice. so that Dracula came to the Cherry Lane Theater to see the play. And of course, awesome. was, was outraged immediately and destroyed the theater. So that was, <laughs> that was wonderful. Wow. Uh, but anyway, so I, I, uh, uh, I said, well, okay, okay. I don't, he said, why haven't you ever written comic books? And I said, I, I don't know. 
I don't know. I just started as an artist and that's what I bought. And he said, well, okay, right. And he, he gave me a choice of five different titles. They were just short of writers, I guess. And uh, okay. said, pick one. And I picked Shadow Man, uh, who okay. was, which, because it was a book that wasn't working. There had been, David Lapham was the first artist. He had done a nice job. Um, but then it had gone on to other people and there had been multiple writers. And you could kind of tell when something happened like that, that everybody was trying to get a handle on the book, but it wasn't working. And I thought, well, I'll do that one. Because if I, as a first try, if I, uh, succeed i'm going to look pretty good and if i fail i'm in good company <laughs> right uh, and it was set in new orleans which i liked and said if it works i'm going to have to visit new orleans so darn it <laughs> yeah what the hell it eventually eventually they proclaimed it the official comic book of new orleans for a while wow uh, i think somebody in valiant got at them and <laughs> it went to whoever you talk to to have that kind of thing happen. But um, so I did Shadow Man and it did work and I got to more or less reboot it. And uh, it was mine. So it, it, it I rebooted it. And so then it became pretty much my character. Okay. And so I was writing and then I took it over as of issue. I started with issue six and took and started drawing it with issue 10. And I right. was drawing, writing and drawing it through issue 43. Wow. And uh, with a couple of fill-ins. And it was a different world doing your own character, you know, yeah. doing writing and drawing your own stuff. And uh, I never wanted to go back after that. And uh, yeah. wow. So I went on with that. I did it up through Acclaim video bought Shadow Man. And they wanted me to, he was, he would, he had always been a, a Creole character. And they wanted me to start drawing him as an African-American. And I said, well, that's really two different things. There were a lot of African-American characters in the book, but he had been a person of color, but not really an African-American. And I finally realized they, they've done the demographics. They want to make a game out of it. And they figure it will sell better if they have an African-American lead. So I said, look, I, will, I won't kill him off, but I'll leave him in, in a situation where you can kill him or you can send him off someplace or whatever you want to do, but I'll, I'll end my, my run on it. And then you can replace you rather than making this guy, um, uh, into a somewhat different character, just, you know, create a new shadow man. And that's what sure. they did. And you, you were going to ask me a favorite story arc. So some of them were in shadow man and one was then what I did was they, they had, I was stuck with, with something that they did in the first six issues where somebody from the future had told him, that he was going to die in 1999. Hmm. And I decided, if you know that, I would give him a nervous breakdown. And he yeah. began to have a nervous breakdown through the last four or five issues. And finally, it, he was on top of a, one of the, the tallest building in, in, in New Orleans, I decided, in, in the business district. And he's going to jump. And the whole issue is about he's become a jumper. And he finally does. And I left him halfway down in nice. issue 43 and said, okay, you can do whatever you want to with him now. Wow! And I think they complete they completely ignored it. I think he's still hanging there in midair. <laughs> <laughs> and I went on to do something called Armed and Dangerous, which is my other favorite thing, just because it was a it was a non superhero, which I was ready to do, and it was about the Westies, the West, um, uh, the Irish gang on the uh, Upper West Side. It fictionalized, but. 
I could use a lot of the strange stories that I had found over the years in, in New York stories that I could I'm stick sure. in there. Yeah. And uh, like the first issue was I had moved into an apartment on the Upper West Side. And a few months after I moved in, about a block and a half away was a laundromat and a severed head was found in that in a dryer in that laundromat. Oof. And I thought, holy shit, <laughs> that's a story. And I started what? reading the New York Post every day. I never found another thing about it. What, 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 why that? It, yeah, just another Tuesday. <laughs> so my first issue was about why that, why that head got in that dryer. And uh, you could do st stuff like that. And it took it away from being just, you know, that same superhero trope that I'd been doing for years. So what year was this? This was, <laughs> this was 1995. I think 1990, maybe the end of 1994, but 1995. My God, I love the Upper West Side. Oh, it's, it's called it's called, <laughs> Upper, it's called Armed and Dangerous. Everybody go out and try to find it. Uh, <laughs> there are a few issues. A severed head there. in a dryer. Yeah. I'm picturing that like I'm going to put my laundry in and there's a friggin' head. I would, <laughs> I would think that that was fake. Like, is this a joke? Like, and then I would probably run like somebody's trying to, uh, that's. Well, that's what I had. I had them with you. I had, I had a couple of women come in and find the head and you, <laughs> you just heard the screams coming out of the, out of the laundromat. Mark, I, Mark, all right, your buddy. face is priceless. I mean, you expect that. And like, you know, like, like, I don't know, like, please tell not, me where, where, where do you expect that? In certain parts of like Brooklyn, like where it's like Russian mafia, you know what I'm saying? Like certain parts of Brooklyn, but not on the Upper West Side. Like who does crime like that on the Upper West Side? That's terrible. Well, the, the, we were, there was the remnants of that time of Hell's Kitchen. Oh, okay. And, it, and if, and 42nd Street at that time was still called 40 Deuce. Yeah. And it was just beginning to be Disney-fied. And, but it hadn't it hadn't been completely yet. And, and there was, especially if you were doing a lot of theater, there was little theaters mingled in with old Irish bars on the extreme west side of, of the of the town. And a lot of there were if you if you watched them put in Broadway shows, there'd be guys sitting reading the paper doing nothing. And they were called walkers mm. and they were usually either mafia or Irish um, Irish mafia people who the unions had infiltrated the unions and so they were getting paid to do nothing because they had no training they didn't you know they were they didn't know how to do sound or lights or anything they might you might get them to carry a heavy object but really they 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 knew they were there just for the sake of sitting reading a beer and reading the racing form so so it was it was interesting and if you were in the theater you'd hear a lot of stories because it was sort of back and forth and you'd hang out at some of the same bars. You didn't go into certain ones, the ones that were pure uh, Westies. No, but uh, you did intersect and you did hear stuff. And it was it was it was good fodder for stories. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I went into a, I, I sat in a bar once, and I didn't go to bars that much, but maybe I did. Uh, <laughs> and I was sitting having a whiskey in this not totally low rent bar, and a guy came in. Fat guy looked a little like, like Tony Soprano, sat mm. down beside me and started to cry. And I thought, this guy wants to talk to somebody. Am I going to ask him a question? I, be, I could be here all night. 
Of course I am. What's the problem? And he said, my mother-in-law just died. I can't believe it. That woman was a saint. She didn't care that I was a criminal. Oh, God. <laughs> thought, he really wants to tell me his life story. And so we're going to need a bottle of whiskey over here. Yeah. Yeah. He ordered, he ordered some whiskey and I drank a little too much that night, but he, he ended up explaining that he was a bag man for the, for the gang. He opened the briefcase that he was carrying or the satchel it was a satchel inside was a 45 automatic and what looked like thousands of, of, of hundred dollar bills. And at one point, because he got kind of plastered, and he, he got up and went to the bathroom and left the satchel there. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. And, and so someday I'm going to write, I want to write another, another crime thing sometime. You, you want to, like, what, what do you want to do? I'd like to write a graphic <laughs> novel that has to do with what I didn't do, which is pick up the satchel and walk out. <laughs> and then what happens? And then, right. You know. Right. Bob Hall's head is in a, is in a dryer. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I knew that. I, I did not. I did not walk. Out That's what it. kept you from taking the sack. That's right. Exactly. But it was. It was a. It was a great time to be in New York. Is it a great time now, Mark? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Are there any comic characters uh, that you have not been able to draw that you would like to draw? Um, I, I always wished I could have done the the Hulk a run on the Hulk. Nice, because he's he's fun. He's fun to draw. He's different. Uh, there are other characters I'd like to do. I, I would like. I, I never got to do uh, Daredevil. Um, okay, but all of the superheroes are built the same. Yeah, you could get away at Marvel with them all having basically the same face, which is why they had different had to have different uniforms and masks, so you could tell them apart. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I tried in Squadron Supreme to give them all different faces. It was. <laughs> Um, but uh, but basically, they all kind of drawing them. You were they were all built the same, right? And, and you know, more or less, but da da da. But the Hulk was different. He was just a uh, a different way of looking at the human, uh, not the unhuman body. And other than the purple pants, he, he, he didn't have a complex uniform, which you could get really tired of drawing that webbing yeah. after a while. <laughs> uh, I bet. So I always wanted to do him. And I, I, and, I, and I also thought for a while there weren't that many people doing him well. I think Herb Trimpey, especially when he was being inked by uh, John Severin, was sort of a brilliant Hulk. And then, then Sal did a good job for a long time with him. But... And then people like more recently have just done amazing things with him. But but uh, at that time, it was a character. I'd, I'd love to have done that one. Deal with that huge exaggeration of the body and you could just get away with so much cool stuff. Yeah. And he's he's actually hard to draw because it's hard to find. A lot of times you'll, you'll see him and, and the head doesn't quite fit in the body. It's too small. And, and you know, he, he, was, he wasn't the easiest character to do. <laughs> it would be definitely your take on it, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So can you tell us what are, because I've seen you now twice at uh, two different cons, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. What Do you, do you like doing cons now? Or oh, yeah. You, I, do you like doing them? I love them. It's, it's, it, it gets me out of the house. Uh, you know, <laughs> it gets me out of the studio. You know, you're, 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 if, you're, if primarily you're sitting and drawing uh, all the time, it's really 
fun to get out. Plus, there are people uh, that I've gotten to know that either I had never met or had just maybe met in passing, you know, mm -hmm. in the in the office at one time or the other. And, and that's been a lot of fun. People that I really am a fan of yeah. that I had, you know, just never met. And uh, like, I, I, oh, at at uh, in the at in the Emerald City Con, I, I uh, ran into uh, Bob McLeod for the first time in years. Oh wow! And I'd sort of seen him at some conventions. We'd said hi, um, but we hung out together. We went out to dinner just about every night and became really good friends. And that was that's, that's awesome. fun, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, there are other people that uh, uh, that I'm sort of in awe of and myself that. Uh, you get to meet at these things, and uh, and and you get to interact with fans, and and but also just the fact of them, mm -hmm. uh, that the and you wonder is it, is this is this something that's going to is there an arc to this is it, are they going to keep are they going to last are there really going to be this many for that long but uh, people after COVID seem to be flocking to them, yeah, and uh, uh, and I felt the same way you know it's like uh, for a year I didn't go to any mm -hmm. and uh, so being able to, to to get out and do them now is, is is just great as far as i'm concerned and uh um i would look at it like somebody being in your shoes it would just be like a giant reunion of people that are still in comics people that used to be in comics and like like you said like when are you going to get all these people in one room or in one one building and then to just be able to meet them and interact with them I think that's I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's and sometimes it's like the I just did uh, sometimes it's crazy. I just did uh, one in Concord, a one day con in Concord, California, which is just uh, north of Oakland. Okay. And it was very successful, but there there was a guy named Steve Wyatt runs him, and I was a little the first time I'd worked with him, and I thought, well, gee, it was one day con, I don't know, but I'll I'll do it and we'll see. Well, I got there, and you know, it was like Steve Le Lealoha. I sat next to Chris Merriman. Uh, Art Adams was there. Nice. You know, just like a ton. Uh, Charlie Vess was there. A lot of just wonderful people that, and I almost never had a chance to talk to them because we it was a one day thing. So uh, I started in the morning doing commissions and never stopped all day long, and that's fun too. That I you're bet. getting to share something with people that really like you and mm -hmm. want you to do stuff, and that makes you feel good. And Heck yeah, but the other thing is that it's now become a profession and I, and who mm -hmm. knew, who knew? I mean, this is my major source of income now and you get really, you can make more money at a comic con than you can doing just sitting and doing comics. Sure. And, uh, I'm hoping, uh, this year to, I'm, I've been doing, uh, during COVID, I, I got through COVID doing a lot of educational comic work. Nice. And I'm just finishing up something now, and I will have more free time. And I'm hoping to um, actually do that graphic novel I was talking about. Uh, and, <laughs> I and, hope and that you do. And that the and that the uh, cons help finance that kind of stuff. That gives you a little yeah. bit of freedom, right? Because uh, you're you know you're working for. I try to do. I'd like to do about two of them a month. That that would be that's great. Or, or oh. sort of the equivalent. Sometimes I end up with some months, some months you get, you know, like you can do one every week. Well, you could, if you wanted to, I know there are people who do do one every, about every damn weekend. And I think 
Wow. So uh, a little bit more traveling than I want to do. <laughs> it's like being on tour. Yeah. Well, yeah. it is a little bit like, I think, probably rock and roll, where you see the inside of a, hey, I get to go to such and such a place. And you see the uh, the same hotel and the same convention center that basically is everywhere else. So I, I try with a lot of them to, uh, if it's an interesting place, I try to spend more time there and yeah. uh, look around a little bit. So to that point, Bob, is there a favorite con that you like to go to as a professional and is there and it could be the same is there a con that you would prefer to go to as like a fan like to just immerse yourself um a lot of it has to do with the people who run them Mm -hmm. okay probably my my favorite cons have been and one that i go to almost every year is rocky mountain comic con which is a very small one run by a guy named tim moret in aurora colorado and the people are just i I do well enough there, but everybody is so nice that I feel we become almost family. And yeah. you, you get into that thing and you just want to keep going back and you get to see them every year. Um, there are others. I think probably the best giant con I think I've ever been to was uh, is is Baltimore. Mm. Nice. Uh, because I'm going there this year. It, it, it has. I got. I haven't decided. I got to call the guy and see if he'll get me in i i've just done a lot of other ones right at that moment and i'm i can't decide if i really want to want to just do one more but it is a damn good con and every you just meet so many people there uh it's just gotten a reputation that artists are treated very well and that you're going to go and you're going to intersect with a lot of like uh oh i don't know i met who did I meet there? Well, Don Rosa, for instance, I met at Baltimore. And that was uh, somebody I'd always wanted to meet because I loved Uncle Scrooge when I was a kid. So yeah. I always wanted to meet Don Rosa. So, you know, it, it, it's that kind of a place. Um, my my favorite one recently was uh, going to Spain. I got I got one in Spain. Wow. And uh, a whole different thing. You didn't go into a convention center. You stayed, were in this hotel and you would go out front and have breakfast out there and fans would start showing up and you would sit around and drink coffee all day and, and draw for them there. That's uh, great. But, the, but their idea was that you wanted to be able, they wanted people to be able to really intersect and that if a fan wanted to be able to sit down and talk to you. That's awesome. For a, a long time that you were open to that, which I, which I of course was. And then, uh, they, they would have something at night where where it was a little bit more formal, but it was it was great. That's, That's cool. cool. That's really cool. Coffee with Bob Hall. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bob, I have to tell you, for you know, on the show, we've got a chance to interview um, another West Coast Avengers artist who came on later towards the end. His name was Dave Ross. Um, I got a chance. We got a chance to talk with him, and I got some artwork commissioned as a gift by him. And Dave Ross, you. John Byrne, George Perez, I hold you in the steam in the highest regards with those guys. I mean, you are just in the great tradition of just great artists. And I really want to thank you for taking the time and speaking with us tonight. You have just been giving us so many great stories and it's just, this is just such a special episode and we really, really appreciate you staying up and chatting with us. And just, it's been a great conversation. I want to thank you very much. Well, I've enjoyed it and do it. We'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when is your next con? Do you know? Um, Hall of Heroes Con in South Bend at the end of next week. Okay. So 
look for me there. And um, after that, the next one is uh, Richmond. Okay. Haven't I, I think I was through Richmond briefly once, so my wife's going with me for that one, and we will hang out a few days in Richmond. And then this sounded good on paper. We will <laughs> hang out for for a couple of days in Richmond and just explore. And then we'll go to Memphis where the next one is. And I thought, Richmond, Memphis, not bad. That should be easy. No, the hub system. You go back to Chicago and fly back to Memphis. Oh, Oh, my God. but it's still, it sounds like a nice little, a nice little trip. And then um, I don't know if they will okay it. Usually the Reed Pop guys, that's, you know, Emerald City in New York. They yeah. usually, that you, you always have to, you always have to fill out a form for them saying I'm what sure. you've done. And, but they're doing one in London this year. Oh. And it turns out we're going to go to Scotland on vacation. And it turns out that that one will be at the same time. So yeah. I'm hoping wow. to go down to London and do that. I think that would be fun. That would be uh, awesome. Sweet. But I'm doing, I'm doing a bunch of them. If you uh, uh, check me out on Facebook, I always announce them. And uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be posting the list, I think, a little bit later this week. Cool. Awesome. Well, everybody listening, be sure to look for him there. And I that's uh, you have really have just gone above and beyond with your great stories and it's just great chatting with you and okay thank you sir good to meet you take good care bob thank you you're welcome see you buddy once again i can't thank him enough bob hall for coming out and chatting with us tonight he was such a breath of fresh air and such a enthusiastic storyteller very Very unique unique storyteller i just wish we he said that we would do this again and i hope that we do because he was just such an awesome storyteller i can just listen to him with just his life and story in general and i'm so happy i didn't i I totally did not even know that he was a writer too that's freaking yeah kind of a jack of all trades yeah yeah you know what's interesting i'm envisioning a bob hall paul jenkins combination interview that would be one hell of a conversation Mm. oh yeah man i could uh i I, you know i i gotta write this down a future commission piece for christmas gift for one whitney houston loving mark (laughs) mazak (laughs) and it needs to be the hulk um, the Hulk, no. the Hulk dancing with Whitney Houston on stage. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> My love is your love. Hulk smash, puny Hulk. god. Hulk smash. Well, as Whitney's snorting gents. a line of coke. No, <laughs> no, it's crack as whack, bro. <laughs> no. Oh, good lord. That was that that was a really good interview. That was that you know we we try to put some some basic questions together to kind of keep the thing going but his stories I'm not saying we went off topic but it was just a really good unstructured really nice cool I prefer I much interview. prefer organic conversations. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. All right boys, so uh next episode will be the Batman review and um look forward to that and as always another great episode don't forget to bag your board this is rich this is mark as always um you have quite the variety of things you could be listening to you could be listening to talk radio you could be listening to screamo you could be listening to whitney houston on your and you should podcast or music <laughs> app of choice yet you chose to listen to the three of us so we thank you yeah. send us an email here is home base at gmail if you have uh comments concerns you want to 
um, tell us anything, ask any questions you want stickers. Um, also, if you want to, you know, reach out to us on Facebook, you could do that there as well. Leave us a comment and we are happy to read those uh, aloud and you might be the next subject line herb. So until next time, thank you so much for uh, listening. This is Rob. Thank you, as always, for listening and supporting this RMR production. Mark, mm-hmm. Jensen had his first sleepover this weekend. Oh, how was that? His friend stayed up past 3.30 in the morning. What? <laughs> I would have been like, what the hell? <laughs> Jensen was asleep at like 10.30, and this poor kid was up till like 3.30 in the morning. Why? I think he was just scared, like oh. new environment. Don't be scared. Uh, are, we, are we recording now, right, Rich? Yes, sir. Okay. So how <laughs> I came to know... Are we recording now? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Let me ask, just just so I have a handle on it, how long are we doing it? Oh, maybe like 25 minutes. Okay. As long as you want. I just... It, it somehow, you know, it's kind of like I can go on and on and on. So it's... <laughs> now it's you're good. <laughs> short answers, long answers. We'll see. Uh, Talk as freely as you'd like. Boom, money. That was excellent. That was excellent. excellent. <laughs> all right, Bob. All that appreciate theater, it's all that theater training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was oh, cool. my God. It was okay. So hurry up and pee. All right. Hurry, hurry up and drink. So catch oh, wow. me up, Mark, while he takes a piss and gets a drink. I mean, he travels a lot for cons. Freaking no kidding. Like international travel, too. Freaking 77 years old. He must like, take like. Celebrities don't even travel that much. No, he must take like. Men's one a day times like 10 or some shit. Centrum silver, baby. Centrum silver. Like, seriously, like, I'm telling you, he's freaking 77 years old, still doing that. Like, that's crazy. Like, damn. Because I've just been thinking about aging lately. And it's just like, you know, we'll, I'll be 30. We'll be 38 this year. But it's just like, damn. Like, he's freaking 77. Like, I just I wonder what that's like. I would imagine my knees would hurt. My knee's not going to hurt because I walk so much and I drink a lot of water. And that the water lubricates my joints. Water. Don't forget to eat your peanut butter and chocolate cake before you go to see the Batman this upcoming weekend. I will not <laughs> let you take it inside. <laughs> Damn it. That place, that restaurant closed. Did it? No. Yeah. Five napkin burger, it closed. Well, damn. I wasn't you, mad. You just saved AMC some, <laughs> some, some trash. Yeah, I wasn't mad. Uh, do we really have to do a lot of edits? Uh, I do a lot of edits, yeah. Like you're going to have to edit that out right there? <laughs> right. <laughs>